It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 381 for February 23rd, 2014. This week, which of the big four cloud storage options is right for your files? Spring cleaning time is just around the corner, and that applies to your computer, too. In short circuits, Nokia makes it possible to never misplace your keys again. Real-time high-definition mapping is now possible if you have a large budget, and the Federal Communications Commission is reduced to begging for net neutrality. Maybe someday we'll have internet connections that are fast enough and security procedures that are safe enough for me to consider storing everything on a server someplace. In some ways, that day is already here. Nearly all of my files are backed up on a Carbonite drive in Boston, but I always work with local copies of the files, and I back them up locally, too. If you're thinking about online storage, the primary options are Box, Dropbox, Google Drive, and Microsoft's recently renamed OneDrive. Each of these offers some storage for free, and those of us who want to keep just a small number of files in a location where they're always available might find that the free storage is all we need. Free storage ranges from a low of 2 gigabytes at Dropbox to 15 gigabytes at Google. In between, Microsoft offers 7 gigabytes and Box provides 10. Google Drive used to be called Google Docs, but it's been expanded beyond the basic word processor, spreadsheet, and presentation applications. Now you also have 15 gigabytes of free disk space to use for anything you want to store. All you need is a Google account, and most people already have one of those. If you don't, setting up a Google account takes eh, maybe a minute. Files are accessible from the Google Drive website, but PC and Mac owners will probably want to download the application that allows them to access their files more directly and to synchronize them so that the web-based version is always the most current version of the file. If you have a Chrome notebook computer, Drive is built in, and if you have an Apple or an Android handheld device, there are apps available for accessing your files. And if you need more storage, Google charges $5 a month for each 100 gigabytes, up to a limit of 16 terabytes. Box is actually intended more for work groups in a corporate environment. It excels in providing collaboration tools and allowing file owners to share their files with others in the group while restricting what others can do with the files. For individual users, all of this might represent too many choices. Users can connect their Box account with other applications such as NetSuite, Adobe Lightroom, Salesforce, and Microsoft Office. Apps are available for Windows and Mac computers as well as Apple and Android devices. And if you need more space, each 100 gigabytes cost $10 a month or $45 a month for a terabyte of space. Then there's Microsoft's OneDrive. I recently allowed the extra space that I'd purchased from Microsoft to expire 
because I found I wasn't using the service as much as I expected to, and 7 gigabytes turned out to be more than enough for what I had online. One of the primary advantages of OneDrive is that it appears in the Windows Explorer as a file folder under Windows 8. There's also an app for Mac users, and anyone can use the web-based tools to access the files. If you have an Office 365 subscription plan, or you use an application such as OneNote, then Microsoft's OneDrive is a perfect fit. Changes to documents are reflected in the online copies of your files as you make them, and this allows real-time collaboration. You'll need to sign up for a Microsoft account, which was formerly called Passport, and before that called lots of other things. The account provides access to Microsoft's Outlook email service, which was formerly called Live Mail, also to Xbox Live and other Microsoft services, and it's what you'll use to sign on to your Windows 8 computer and to synchronize certain operating system functions among all your computers. In other words, if you're a Microsoft Windows user, this is a really good choice. And if you need more space, 50 gigabytes cost $25 a year, limit 200 gigabytes. And of course, there's Dropbox. That's the name everybody knows when it comes to online storage. It's easy to use, and it's available for just about every operating system and device on the planet. You can use the web interface or download an app for most systems. Although the service provides only 2 gigabytes of free storage, you can obtain an extra 250 megabytes by working your way through a tutorial on how to use Dropbox, and if you activate automatic photo upload from any mobile device, you get an extra 3 gigabytes. Referring friends to Dropbox will earn you an extra 500 megabytes for each person who signs up. There is a 16 gigabyte total. If you need more space and you don't want to play the games needed to obtain it, 100 gigabytes costs 10 bucks a month, up to a 500 gigabyte total. You'll find links on the TechBiter Worldwide website to Google Drive, Box, Microsoft OneDrive, and Dropbox. cleaning sounds like a good idea. Just the thought of spring sounds like a good idea. Even in mid-Ohio, where the snow and winter weather were nowhere near as severe as in some parts of the country. And just in time for spring, you might want to try Slim Cleaner. That's a utility from Slimware. company offers several free utilities that can help you haul away all the junk. Now, if you already use something like Sea Cleaner, or Crap Cleaner if you want to call it that, and you like it, there's really no overwhelming reason to switch to Slim Cleaner, but the program does have more options. And you might want to look at Slim Computer and Slim Drives, too. Let's take a look at Slim Cleaner. The initial screen is the cleaner screen with its tabs for Windows, Applications, Browsers, and Registry. And there's one called Advanced. Let's start with the Windows tab. 
And this is where you go to clean up log files, memory dumps, and junk in temporary folders and various other places where unnecessary data can simply pile up. There's the Applications tab. What you see here will depend on what applications you have installed and whether they create any temporary files that can be safely deleted. The Browsers tab. Here you'll see a list of options for each browser that's installed on the computer and a list of items that you might want to delete. I dump cache files, logs, and crash reports, for example, but I keep cookies. On the Registry tab, you'll find cleanup options that can eliminate junk from the registry. And by default, all of these options are not selected, and it's probably wise not to select any of them unless you're sure about what they do. And then there's that Advanced tab. Everything here is not selected by default. If you understand the implications of having Slim Cleaner delete the system's prefetch data, or the font cache, then these operations are perfectly safe. If not, I'd recommend leaving them unselected. When I ran the clean process, even though I had deselected all of the cookie options in the browser tab, Slim Cleaner still asked me when I ran the cleanup process if I wanted to do anything with cookies. The default was no, but if you're somebody who really fears cookies, then you can choose one of two options to have them deleted. Option number one, delete them all. I don't recommend that option. Option number two is delete all those that don't contain login information for many popular websites. I'm a little disturbed by many popular websites. If you have login data in a cookie for a site that isn't particularly popular, what happens to that information? The second vertical tab is called Optimize, and it contains horizontal tabs for startup and services. These tabs are useful when it comes to identifying which applications and services are running on the computer, who made them, and how well regarded they are. Most of mine showed up as good or optional with the occasional unrated application or service. If you find something you want to remove, you can place a check mark in the box at the far left side of the screen. The same process applies to the Services tab. You'll see a list of all processes that are running. Checking the box at the left will tell Slim Cleaner to remove it. But be particularly careful with services. A service you want to have running might be dependent on a service whose name you don't recognize. In short, if you don't recognize the application or the service and you're not certain that removing it won't cause problems, leave it alone. If you fail to heed that warning and you find that you need to restore something, well, that's what the Restore List tab is for. The third vertical tab is called Software. Now, unlike the Startup tab in the previous group, this shows all applications that are installed on the computer, not just what's running. And it uses the same rating system. You can select individual applications and have Slim Cleaner uninstall them. The Updates tab will attempt to check for program updates. Tab number four is called Browsers, and it provides a detailed look at add-ons that may be installed in each of your browsers. Toolbars, Browser Helper Objects, or BHOs, and ActiveX applications. Within the Browsers panel, you'll see browser icons. The ones that are installed on your system will be in color, 
those browsers that aren't installed will be in gray. Select each one and then review the toolbars, the BHOs, and the ActiveX components that are associated with the browser. Check the box on the left to select any that you want to remove. And as with the other tabs, there is also a Restore tab in case you delete something that you decide later you really wanted to keep. Next down is the Disk Tools tab. This opens a new window that lists every disk drive on the computer and then offers options to analyze the disk, securely delete data from the disk, or shred files and directories on the disk. Shred takes deletion a step further than just securely deleting a file or folder. You'll also find a function that can find duplicate files even if they're not on the same disk drive, and a disk defragmenter function. Windows 7 and Windows 8 both have disk defragmentation built in, so if you have a current operating system, you really won't need this. Additionally, Windows 8, and to a somewhat lesser extent Windows 7, will handle solid-state drives without causing any problems that a disk defragmenter might cause. When you ask the program to analyze a disk, you'll see a display such as the one shown on the TechBiter Worldwide website. You can drill down into directories, and the file analyzer shows every file that's there. And this includes files that are normally hidden from view. And yes, you can click a file and delete it here. This is another one of those places where caution is called for. Deleting certain files will make your computer exceedingly unhappy. So if you're getting the impression about now that Slim Cleaner provides a lot of insight into what's going on inside your computer, you're exactly right. Next down is the Windows Tools tab. This puts a pretty interface on some of the more commonly used control panel functions. And the final entry in the vertical tabs is called the Hijack Log. It has two modes, Novice and Expert. If you switch to the Expert mode, you'll be warned that it will display far more information than the Novice mode, and that making changes could be detrimental. The name of the panel, Hijack Log, is a bit misleading. It really isn't a log of hijack attempts. It would be useful, though, if you thought something had hijacked the machine and you're trying to track it down. So I selected the expert mode and under toolbars I noticed an odd entry at the bottom of the list. Is this suspicious? Should I delete it? Well, let's see what the community has to say about it. As it turned out, the suspicious entry is a component of a vast antivirus. And when you look at what the community has to say, reading the comments from other Slim Cleaner users, you really need to read carefully. In this case, those who recommended keeping the suspicious entry all note that it is part of the antivirus program that I installed. Those who recommend removing it had far less compelling reasons and far less logical reasons for removing it. Generally speaking, the overall recommendations from the crowd will be accurate, but the answers should still be treated as data points and not as conclusive answers. Slim Cleaner is free. There is no paid version, but Slimware does have some commercial applications. Consider Slimware Cleaner to be one reason to visit the company's site and try out its programs. A companion application, Slim Drivers, has both free and paid versions. The free version offers to identify outdated drivers 
and download new versions for you. What's surprising is that it actually does both. Some driver update programs identify missing drivers but then refuse to download anything until you pay. SlimDriver will remind you each time that you tell it to fetch a driver that the paid version will do the work automatically and faster, but that's as far as nagging goes. Now that's not to say this is a perfect application or that you should accept its recommendations without question. For example, you'll be offered additional software when you install applications from Slimware. These are easy enough to refuse, but ignoring the text on the screen could result in having something extra installed, something you don't want. And second, the recommendations aren't always correct. When I ran SlimDriver, it told me that 16 drivers were outdated. Some of these were clearly right, but some of the drivers listed are specific to hardware I don't own. Take a look at the TechBiter Worldwide website and note the Xeon processor in the list. That's the most obvious piece of hardware that's not present on my machine, but there are other devices listed that aren't there either. I selected the first item on the list, the video drivers, and told Slim Drivers to go get it. The program first offered to create a restore point, and this is a step that no user should skip. Being able to restore to an earlier point following a failed driver update is essential, and that's true whether you're using a program such as this to do the update or whether you're doing it manually. When I told Slim Drivers to go get the new driver, it displayed a quick advertisement that told me I could do this faster if I'd pay for the program. But then the update process launched, it downloaded the driver, and installed it. The single video driver update resolved two problems, and I was left with 14 outdated drivers. At the conclusion of the update process, I was told the computer needed to be restarted. That's pretty common with driver updates, so I did that. I then repeated the process with the network and audio driver updates, and my total number of updated driver needs abruptly dropped to zero. Mission complete. I mentioned that Slim Drivers isn't always correct, though. So here's an example. When I ran Slim Drivers on a Windows 8 tablet, everything seemed to go well until I rebooted the device for the second time. A warning appeared telling me that an application installed on the tablet expected an earlier version of the audio driver, not the newer version that had just been installed. The application still worked, but the warning at each reboot was annoying. That's why the system restore point is so important. Restoring to a previous state removed the new driver and replaced the new driver with the old driver. And there's another offering from Slimware called Slim Computer. It seems to be a somewhat simplified version of Slim Cleaner with some but not all of Slim Cleaner's functions. So the bottom line here is three cats. These are high-powered utilities that can keep your computer clean. Had it not been for the free extras that Slimware tries to install with some of its applications, these utilities would easily rate a solid four cats. Three is still a very good rating, though, and the interface of the applications is surprisingly easy to understand, considering that these applications, and particularly Slim Cleaner, pack so many features. You'll find additional details on the Slimware website. There is a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website.
in short circuits, a Brooklyn friend posted a note to Facebook this week saying he had just spent a lot of time trying to find his camera. He had searched on, around, and under his desk. He had looked through the rest of the house. He had checked the bedroom. Then he looked in his shirt pocket. The small, light camera had been there all along. How much time do you waste every week looking for things like that? Nokia may have an answer. The Nokia treasure tag is a little box that's a bit more than an inch square and about half an inch thick. Attach it to something you frequently lose, and you will never lose it again. There is a catch, though. It's designed to work with a Nokia cell phone. Pair the device with your phone, and if they're ever separated, they'll howl. I once had a cat like that. Whenever I left the room, he howled. It didn't work the other way around, though. He could leave the room, and I didn't howl. When one device starts howling, you should still be close enough to the other device to follow the sound and find it. You can pair a total of four treasure finders with a Nokia Lumia phone. Each of the devices will show up as an icon on the phone's home screen, or you can replace the icon with a photo. Although the howling is automatic, you can turn it off if you decide to leave the paired device at home for the day. Simply press a button on the treasure finder to silence it. This, by the way, was not an option with the cat. The devices are available in blue, yellow, white, and black, and they'll be available for purchase in April for about 30 bucks. And if you don't have a Nokia Lumia phone, you should be able to acquire an app from the Apple Store for iOS devices or from Google's Play Store for Android devices. affordable. Now, to the Air Force, $150,000 is affordable. Some newly developed LIDAR technology will make it possible for precision mapping of an area of about 100 square miles in less time than it takes to have a pizza delivered. The mapping will be based on images taken from an airplane. If you're wondering why this is important, stick with me for a moment. LIDAR is an acronym for Light Detection and Ranging. It's not new technology, but advances in existing technology make the process a lot faster than in the past. The device in the airplane uses laser light to photograph the surface of the Earth. Think of it as a large strobe light on a camera. The onboard camera then uses the light that bounces back to calculate distances. The faster mapping is possible because of advances in chip technology. Instead of silicon, these chips use indium gallium arsenide. The faster mapping is important because it could be used during natural disasters to illustrate situations as they exist on the ground. The increased detail apparent in the resulting images could help search and rescue workers. Of course, the technology could also be used for targeting and for bomb damage assessment. 
which obviously is why the Air Force is interested. The new technology reduces both the size and the price of LiDAR systems. Princeton LightWave has an industrial model that's priced at $150,000, and this would easily fit on a bedside table. You can read more about it on the Princeton LightWave website. By the way, if you buy one of these, please invite me over. I'd like to take a look. Federal Communications Commission Chairman Tom Wheeler says the agency will try again to ensure what's called net neutrality. That would force internet service providers such as Comcast and AT&T to treat all digital traffic the same, regardless of where it originates. Last month, a federal appeals court found in favor of Verizon in its suit that challenged the FCC's authority to regulate broadband communications, The ruling, although not in the FCC's favor, admitted the Commission's authority and found essentially that the FCC had misclassified broadband providers. Many commentators have compared the future of broadband internet service to the current state of cable television, where only basic service is provided at reasonable rates and each additional component entails extra fees. FCC Chairman Wheeler emphasizes the Commission's responsibility to oversee the public interest standard and ensure that the Internet remains open and fair. Although he said the FCC will not pursue the matter further in court, he said it will insist that the Internet service providers stick to the open Internet order, which went into effect four years ago. This week, Consumer Reports also released the results of a study that found most broadband users would switch to another provider if their current provider slowed, blocked, or charged more for streaming services. By most, Consumer Reports meant 71%. But the question that remains is this. What if all of the broadband providers collude in such a way that they slow, block, or charge more for streaming services. Yes, I did choose the word collude with great care. As for the FCC, it seems to believe that the CEOs of those various broadband providers will simply play nice with the rest of us, even though a federal judge has told them that they don't have to. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.